You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with us today, Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolf, as we get ready for what is sort of the beginning of the end of the offseason. We're closing in on fall camp, boys, as hard as that is to believe. I'll start with you, Kip. Uh, how is this week treating you? Got Got a few days removed now from being in Nashville and, and going up and down broad and checking out everything. Uh, how has this week been so far? I'm still recovering. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Nashville remains undefeated. We kind of saw that when we got the uh, SEC order of finish. And the five people picked Vanderbilt to win the SEC. I, I want to apologize to any of the, the Doors fans that are happen to watch be watching this pod by mistake. I did not pick you to win the SEC, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I mean, you spend a week there and, you know, it changes you. So um, still recovering from that and, and and still kind of just in shock overall, uh, you know, just taking all of that in, experiencing SEC Media Days for the first time. It is, uh, it, it's an experience. But I uh, can't say I learned a lot about, you know, the different programs, but definitely enjoyed myself there. And, and, and now, I mean, this is it. Like, the offseason's officially over now, right? It might as well be. And, yeah, I think you had the optimal descriptor there. It's an experience. What kind of an experience? Well, you, you just fill it in how you want. Ben, uh, how is today treating you as uh, we get through and, and get ready in a few minutes, talk a little bit more about what Georgia's been do- doing on the recruiting trail? I mean, it's a circus. We don't have to we don't have to shy away from it. It's a circus. I know exactly what type of experience it is. But to Kip's point, you probably get more out of uh, the the hanging out, seeing folks than you do. Maybe what are we learning from these actual football teams, football coaches, football players? But hey, to you all's point, you know, I don't you know, I'm with our boy Josh Pate. I don't say the word offseason. We know there is no there isn't one, um, but it does feel like football is, is back. No doubt about it. And uh, while we're still waiting on the football side of things, obviously still a lot of recruiting and a lot of news on that front going on. And Georgia picks up another big commitment on Monday night by getting five-star linebacker Justin Williams, adding to what was already the number one class in the country. Teammate of a uh, Georgia commit on the defensive line, Joseph Jonah Ajanye, uh, decides that he is also going to follow suit and go from Texas to Georgia I'll start with you, Ben. Tell me what really strikes you, what stands out the most to you about Justin Williams and the fact he's joining a linebacker room that is insanely deep already for the Bulldogs. Well, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, let's talk about the talent here. I mean, this is a guy that's a top 20 player in America. He is, you know, if you go look at the linebacker board, there's not many guys rated higher than Demarcus Riddick, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more later in the podcast, but, um, 
you know, Justin Williams is as good of a linebacker as you're going to find in college football right now or in, in America right now. And I think that he fits exactly what Georgia is trending toward recruiting at the linebacker position. He is super fast. I mean, you look at some of the guys that they've taken over the last few cycles. Jo- Justin Williams fits right into that prototype. He's super fast. He's been clocked at a 4-4-4 in the 40. I know he has a 36-inch vertical leap. I mean, he hits all of the measurables. But when you talk to his coaches or you talk to – I've talked to a couple of teachers at Oak Ridge that have gotten to know Joseph and Justin both. And everybody at Oak Ridge just loves Justin Williams. Like, the, he has a way about him. I think that if you have – even just surface level interactions with Justin, you recognize sort of the jovial nature that he carries himself with. He has a smile on his face. He's a happy go lucky type of guy. When you turn on the film, obviously there's a flip that gets switched there. He's moving really, really fast. He plays fast and physical. He's one of those types of guys that we've talked about in in recent weeks as a defensive back turned linebacker. And that's sort of the way that the position is going, um, the way things are trending, just in terms of the types of linebackers that Georgia's recruiting going forward as well. 6-2-205-247 Sports has him as a 16th overall player in the 2024 class. Gip, I'll throw it to you. What do you feel like this says about Glenn Schumann and really the entire Georgia coaching staff? We've talked about, you know, how deep they are at linebacker in the years to come but that a guy like Justin Williams doesn't seem to, to really be concerned about that. He's still down to be a Bulldog and is going to add to another very talented position group for the Bulldogs. You're muted. Oh, got him. Nashville's still, still hitting hard. Um, yeah, we spent all last year talking about la- uh, that linebacker group that Glenn Schumann signed. I mean, Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, and Troy Boyles, we were, I mean, we discussed how that's as talented a linebacker group we we kind of had ever ever seen at, at Georgia. And I mean, we talked about Raylan Wilson being kind of a you know that NFL type of guy that's probably going to play on Sundays. He projects that well. CJ Allen already making a huge impact, and Troy Boyles just having you know all the intangibles, being the you know the son of NFL coach, but also really athletic as well. And now Georgia has a, a linebacker and Justin Williams committed who's the highest rated linebacker Georgia's ever had committed. That kind of says it all there. And you start looking at the traits that he has. Uh, you know, a lot of people have mentioned Roquan Smith just as that projection. And, you know, obviously, if you're going to project a kid as a, a Buckus Award winner, you, you at least want to know that he has some of the physical capabilities, uh, you know, that a guy like Roquan had coming out of high school. But, I mean, I remember seeing Roquan, you know, coming out of his, I think, sophomore year and, Thought he was a safety out there, but I mean, he was, you know, on film, he was hitting hard, going all, all across the field. And, you know, he, he started to transition into more of an inside the linebacker role. And Justin's kind of that same way. You know, he played safety early on and, you know, he's got track speed. A guy that you, you could tell can play in coverage, you know, can anticipate routes. That linebacker moves, you know, pre-snap. You know that Justin can follow him, and you know, and and not lose sight of him. And that's, I mean, that's what you you want to have guys like that, just with the way that you know offenses are these days. But at the same time, I mean, he he is not afraid to lower the hammer either. He's got, uh, you know, great hand strength, and he has great range, and it's just he he looks fearless on film. And then you just start to kind of track and look ahead to this class having a guy like Justin Williams on, on board, the number one linebacker in the country, according to the industry, 
and you see Chris Cole from Virginia. You, you see Chris Jones from Virginia, the two Virginia guys that are also top 10 linebacker prospects. And you start thinking about this class and go, well, now, wait a minute. I mean, this class compares favorably to last year's class. And, you know, I just got done. We, we wrote about Todd Hartley being one of the top seven recruiters in the country. I, I would it'd be hard pressed to, to find, a, you know, maybe a more productive uh, recruiter right now than what Glenn Schumann has done, having multiple buckets award winners and just stacking that position room the way that he has right now and looks to be doing this cycle as well. Kip mentioned some of those guys still on the board. You look at Georgia's 2024 class. They've got 26 commits now. Justin Williams is in. A few days after Jalen Hayward had decommitted and sort of, you know, kind of saw one in, one out there. But, uh, Ben, let's look at linebacker with what Georgia has right now. We are expecting a decommit in the next few days. Um, tell the people who are listening some of those names to keep an eye on. Um you know, with with Georgia when it specifically comes to linebacker, uh, the names to know as we go forward the next few days, weeks, and, and probably even months. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've mentioned them so, sort of already. I mean, Justin Williams obviously was the big first domino to fall yesterday, and I think landing him will ease any blows that Georgia might feel in the in the coming days as well. Demarcus Riddick has been committed to Georgia since November. He makes a final decision tomorrow, the 26th, and that will really be a theoretically Georgia, Alabama, Auburn decision. I think that everybody in this space has really been pretty clear on where things stand with Georgia. And he even spoke with our Auburn 24-7 writer, Christian Clemente, uh, earlier in the week as well and mentioned, you know, his quotes sort of made clear where things are trending with Georgia. It really comes down to Auburn and Alabama for Demarcus Riddick. I find it interesting that because Georgia's landed Justin Williams, because they have things in place following up with some of the other guys we're going to mention, that maybe Auburn or Alabama is going to feel a little bit more spurned tomorrow than Georgia will, which is sort of like a weird twist of how this recruitment has gone on, that Georgia's you know, weathered the PR blow, I guess you could say, when it comes to this uh, recruitment. Um Chris Jones and Chris Cole, the two Virginia guys that Kip mentioned later or earlier. I think that Chris Jones is likely to make a decision in the next week. I don't know specifically when that's going to be. I know, Kip, you might know more on specifically what day that might end up being. But I think within the next week, we could expect a decision from Chris Jones. I think Georgia's in a really, really good spot there. And then the question that we've been asking this whole time, will Georgia really take three linebackers in this class, given what they took last cycle? given everything that Kip's mentioned with what they've stacked on top of one another with recruiting classes at the linebacker position. If the answer to that's yes, Chris Cole is a, another really fast linebacker, another guy that played defensive back, transitioned to linebacker. His recruitment really took off once he made that switch. And so, you know, if Georgia can end up landing a class that has Justin Williams, Chris Jones, and Chris Cole, I think that it makes the DeMarcus Riddick loss feel a little bit easier regardless of where he ends up. Kip, what do you think about these two Virginia linebackers that Ben was talking about just then? I mean, what potentially if either one of those guys winds up joining Georgia's class, just what they're bringing to the table? Yeah, I remember, uh, again, us getting prepared for SC Media Days and, and me bringing it up to Ben that I think Georgia's going to end up taking three linebackers in this class. And it just wasn't something that we had, you know, you had to be prepared for all scenarios. But for the last month and a half, we've been in numbers crunch mode. You know, how are all these guys going to fit? Uh, obviously, there are no signing limits, but Georgia's not going to sign 40 guys just because they can. 
You know, even before the NCAA allowed uh, schools for the last couple of cycles to sign over the 25 limit, uh, Georgia's always had more players wanting to go to Georgia than they have room for. And so, again, when I'm writing the who's next to commit, I'm trying to crunch these numbers and look, which one of these, you know, guys are they going to make sure they hold a spot for? Chris Jones was a guy we felt pretty good about. Uh, you know, Georgia had really, you know, made a move there this spring, uh, you know, and then him coming back with his team for the seven on seven, the Kirby Smart seven on seven after his official visit, kind of let you know, you know, even though it's with his team, there's significant interest in there and Georgia's getting an extra visit there. I, I think we felt pretty good about, you know, where they stood with him. Chris Cole was one more we kind of thought. Well, you know, it might end up being a numbers crunch, but it also might just be the fact that it's gets a Miami legacy. And so, you know, this is a recruitment that's not wasn't just a slam dunk to Georgia. So he was, you know, we're covering all these recruitments at the same time. He he wasn't in that, you know, that imminent front of the line. We're projecting him to Georgia situation. But now, you know, as we head into August, uh, it looks like you know, Georgia could be primed to, to get a, a linebacker that, again, I talked about Justin Williams and his athleticism. Uh, Chris Cole has that, those similar traits. He's the guy that, again, has track speed, but he's 6'3", 210 pounds, and uh, one of the more athletic prospects overall in this class. Uh, I think, you know, now that we kind of feel confident in saying that Demarcus Riddick would not be in Georgia's class, I think Chris Cole may have, you know, that may have solidified, uh, you know, just a, a spot there for Chris Cole to, to join Georgia's class. You know, I think he's visiting um, uh, Tennessee this week. And then it's probably going to, you know, sit down with his family and discuss the plans for for when he wants to make a decision, which we would expect would be probably, you know, early August as well. So uh, Georgia could, again, end up with three of the top 10 uh, linebackers in this class when, you know, we were wondering, you know, if they're going to, you know, maybe two, you know, and the names are kind of switched around. But uh, I think this is an outstanding group, and it's just one of those situations where now we're looking back at the numbers and saying, you know, whose spot did he take? Maybe it was Demarcus Riddick's, or you know, maybe they're you know not saving as many spots for the portal as we thought. Right now, the only spot I can really think about for the portal would be a wide receiver. But overall, I think this class is getting is getting really close to really landing every single positional need that that they set forth heading into the cycle. When I think about it, too, I mean, you, I think you start to wonder how long is the shelf life for Glenn Schumann at Georgia? And when you start to think about it, if you're in Kirby Smart's position here, all right, yes, just stacked a really good class with Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, like that. that's a great group that you just put together there. But how much more can you milk of Glenn Schumann, the recruiter for Georgia? And if that shelf life is growing shorter and shorter by the year. You know that like this cycle is going to be a big one in terms of stacking recruitments for the future too. It's funny looking at this class. It felt like for a long time we were concentrated on offensive line and we're like, all right, they really can't take this many. And I said, okay, well that they are. And now we're having the same conversation with linebacker, but um, you know, especially when you look at it from the Georgia perspective, it's a good problem for them to have to make those numbers work. And you have no doubt that Kirby Smart and company, they will make those numbers work to get the guys that they want. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about some of the uh, lasting thoughts from Media Days, specifically all SEC predicted order of finish. Uh, a lot of conversation involving the Bulldogs with both of those topics. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we need to dive in, you know, take a uh, go back to Nashville for a little bit. If both of you guys can can let your minds wander back, uh, it's kind of a dangerous thing. But uh, talk a little bit about what we found out the day after media days. Predicted order of finish comes out, so does the All-SEC teams. And I want to start with that All-SEC team. Georgia had 16 players selected. I believe 11 of them were on the first team. Uh, You look at the defense specifically, it felt like it was pretty much Georgia guys and then a few other guys sprinkled in. Kip, I'll start with you. Were you surprised at all to see that kind of contingent from Georgia on these teams, specifically with that first team? Uh, The fact that a lot of voters looked at that Georgia roster and looked at the options from Georgia and said, you know what, let's go ahead and pencil these guys in. We feel pretty good about the season they're about to have. Yeah, it really hit when you started, you know, going through and, and making your votes and you get to each position and you're just, you know, you know, you're trying to, again, as a journalist, you're trying to look and, and, and pick the best players. But I mean, every single position you got to, you, you had at least one, if not multiple Georgia options there. And yeah, I mean, you just compared to last year, uh, you know, heading into last season as the defending national champions, Georgia had nine all SEC selections by the media and they had six players on the first team. Uh, so again, I mean, the, the numbers are really, really impressive. And, and like you said, I mean, especially in that secondary, uh, you know, when you have Malachi Starks, when you have Kamari Lasseter and Javon Bullard, all his first team selections. And then, I mean, Michael Williams and, and Nazir Stackhouse on the line, you know, you know that this, this defense is not going anywhere. And, we, and we've said that, that under Kirby Smart, we don't really ever expect this defense to not be you know, top 10, if not top five and pushing for, you know, one of the top two defenses in the country. But now just on paper, you look at each line of that defense, they have all SEC first team selections. Uh, I think that just goes to show, again, recruiting is important, but uh, they've definitely developed uh, an incredibly deep roster that that should be really, really impressive this fall. It's funny you mentioned that, Kip, because going through my ballot, I was like, I really put all these Georgia players on here, you know, trying to look at other guys. I got Nazir Stackhouse lower, and I, I don't even know, guys, to be honest, if I put Kamari on there just because I was trying to get different defensive backs. And then I look at that, and I'm like, well, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense, especially when you look at defense that so many people said, hey, when in doubt, we're going to put some Bulldogs on there. Um, ben, what did you make of that amount of attention Georgia's gotten? I mean, the fact that so many players made this All-SEC team as we get closer and closer to fall camp well i think i think uh kip's giving journalists a little bit too much credit in terms of how much effort they're putting into these things for starters um 
you know, I think that, um, I mean, look, I filled out the ballot. I think it was the first time I'd done it since like 2013. And I forgot just like what the process is like, right? Like you go position by position. They say, Hey, pick these eight offensive linemen Mm -hmm. that are your top eight offensive linemen. And then they've got a list of, you know, guys all across the sec. And some of them are guys that I'm familiar with. Some of them are guys that have had production, but haven't, you know, they maybe aren't NFL type of guys. Then there's other guys that were really highly rated recruits that haven't had a ton of production at the college level yet. And I never know the right way to balance how I'm supposed to actually vote there. I think what happens with Georgia and why you see so many Georgia guys there, it goes back to what we talked about on the last pod is like Georgia's reached the pinnacle. It's at the point now where everybody views Georgia as the top of the sport, maybe even the top of the conference. And so when you're coming across names and you see, you know, such and such comma Georgia, people that don't cover Georgia are probably more likely to vote those guys one, two, three, four than someone that covers Georgia because someone that covers Georgia might have a slightly better perception of where they fit in in the depth chart, what their productivity levels are going to be, how they're actually projecting to the next level. Whereas somebody that covers LSU or Mississippi State, they're going to say, oh, well, that's the that's the cornerback nominee for Georgia. He definitely needs to be up there. Not to shortchange anybody that got you know, those preseason accolades on the Georgia side of things. Um, because I think everybody that was nominated on the Georgia side and was eligible to be voted was worthy of it. We've seen the productivity levels of everybody that plays at the University of Georgia. So if you have played significant stabs at Georgia, you probably deserve some sort of preseason accolades. But I also just think, you know, the, the method to uh, all of it is a little bit haywire because I know as somebody that was picking eight offensive linemen and eight defensive linemen, sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So... I'm glad that you pointed that out because for me, it was a lot of pro football focus. It was a lot of looking at last year's stats, and then I get in my head. I'm like, well, how much do you really have to care about last year's stats? So I was all over the place. But my thing to to a point you just made, Ben, Georgia has the benefit of the doubt with something like a preseason all-SEC team. It's like when in doubt, throw the Georgia guy on there. And like you said, these guys are very much deserving. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys are going to put up very productive years, I have no doubt. Um, sort of going in line with that all-SEC team is the predicted order of finish. I don't think any of us were surprised. Georgia, runaway pick to win the East and also a very heavy favorite to win the SEC as a whole. Um, I'll start with you, Kip. What did you think of Georgia being picked to win the SEC? I think, uh, Ben, if I'm not mistaken, you pointed out that this was the first time they've been picked to win the SEC since, I think, 2004. So it's been quite a while since Georgia has been the pick. Um, what did you think of Georgia being picked, Kip? And if there was any surprises you saw, um, you know, albeit, uh, you know, in- including the fact that Vanderbilt got, what, eight votes to win the entire SEC. Um, any thoughts just on how the predicted order of finish came out? I might be wrong, but I think 2004 is the only time Georgia's been picked uh, to win the SEC. And, yeah, there were eight picks for Vanderbilt to finish first in the East and five to, to win it all. It kind of goes back to how serious are we taking SEC media days? Obviously, I'm thinking that the city it was held in may have played a role. A lot of people had a lot of fun, and we're still thinking about the city whenever it came time to vote. Um, But as far as where Georgia's picked, again, uh, this is where Georgia is. And the last time that they they made a back-to-back run uh, was back during the, you know, the the kind of that that first era of georgia dominance i believe it was 81 82 um so i think right now georgia's positioned well and i think 
I doubt they're going to share conference title this year like they had to do after that. Um, I mean, in that 1981 SC championship, I believe that it was a split title. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So they have a chance to to do something that, that they've never done before, which is win back-to-back outright SEC championships. Uh, you know, the order didn't really surprise me. It, it's kind of, honestly, it's when you get into three and four. You know, you start looking at teams like, you know, Ole Miss and Texas A&M in the West, and then you get into uh, Missouri and South Carolina in the East. Uh, you know, the, those are the kind of the teams where you're not really sure uh, what's going to happen. You start thinking, you know, well, who do they have at quarterback? That's kind of like, you know, that's a, that X factor. If two teams are kind of looking similar, uh, you know, my experience, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll pick the, the team where I, I know a little bit more about their quarterback situation. It's a little bit more settled. And, and so that's that's kind of the way it seemed it seemed to win in in both the the West and the East is again even in a year where I mean no one's really expecting the quarterback play to you know the light the country on fire right now it's probably you know one of the biggest question marks this conference ever had at the position because I mean if you know uh, you start thinking about KJ Jefferson is is KJ Jefferson and and Joe Milton are are, are those going to be the best quarterbacks in the conference? It's it's more along the lines of those guys are extremely physically talented. You know, can they stay healthy? And you know, how consistent can they can they be uh, in their passing attack? Uh, that tells you that this conference uh, has a lot of question marks at that position. So uh, that's kind of what made it interesting looking at the order of finish. It's just there's a lot of questions at the quarterback position. I think a lot of these teams are going to go through multiple quarterbacks this season. Yeah, a little bit of uh, Jaden Daniels erasure there, Kip. And I'd say that was the thing that surprised me the most was that LSU was not picked to win the West. I I felt like going into it that that was the heavy favorite that they would win it. And I think it was fairly close with them in Alabama. And and for full disclosure, I picked Alabama just kind of of zagging when everyone else zigs. I think, uh, you know, everyone writing off Alabama might, might have come a little bit early. Um, ben, I'll throw it to you. Any thoughts on the predicted order of finish? Georgia being the favorite to win it, and uh, just how that finish, uh, the predicted finish, wound up coming out. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of picking Alabama to win the West over LSU, but I'm also guilty of picking Alabama to win the conference over Georgia. And there I it know, is. None of that's going to want to hear that. But I just that was you know I'm sort of with you. I think that Alabama still got a good football team. I think everyone likes to look at some of the close wins and the losses last year. And I still think that Alabama personally, you can make the case that Ohio state might've been the second best team in college football last year, but I think Alabama was probably the second best team in college football last year. Um, You know, I think that nobody likes to look at LSU and getting, you know, getting smoked by Tennessee, losing to A&M. They like to look at the positives of that season because some of those things were unexpected um, or to FSU rather. Um, but, um, you know, I personally am somewhat surprised with how low people are perceiving Florida this year. I realize that there are, you know, they've got a tough schedule. There's not a ton of optimism in Gainesville, but just the, I feel like the middle of the pack in the sec. So sort of looking beyond the top three, Georgia, LSU and Alabama, I would say, I think that it's a very narrow gap between the Tennessees, the South Carolinas, the Floridas, the Kentuckys, the Ole Misses, even maybe the Auburns, potentially depending on what the transfer portal turned out for them. Like, I think it's a much 
closer group within the SEC than what I feel like I'm typically accustomed to. So I was just sort of surprised just how unfavorably Florida is viewed across the conference. Um, just because it's not, we're not too far away from Florida, you know, being top or second best team in the SEC East on a consistent basis. But yeah. Well, I think kind of to Kip's point and, and Kip, if you got any thoughts on this, feel free. But for me, like looking at a Florida, it goes back to quarterback play, what you were just talking about. And I'll just mm-hmm. never forget guys looking at the Florida 24 seven site during that spring game. And I mean, it was grim. I mean, Graham Mertz had a terrible day, and I don't think any of the other quarterbacks looked much better. And just sort of knowing Graham's background at Wisconsin, I mean, that to me would would be the biggest reason I have pause with putting Florida farther up. I'm trying to remember where I had. I had them like 10th or 11th in that 24-7 SEC poll we did. I, I just don't see much on that offensive side that makes me think that, you know, they could surprise people. Because uh, when you're trying to sell me on Graham Mertz, uh, I think I'm going to shop elsewhere. I, and I'm in the heavy minority on the on the Florida side of things. I just have that week three game against Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee circled as one where I think that everyone in, has it written off as like, oh, Tennessee's obviously heavy favorite. They're going to win. And look, Florida's got a big test against Utah ahead of time as well. And I don't know how I got, I've got us talking about Florida, Tennessee week three, but uh, yeah, it's just a big SEC East game that I got circled. And I think that Florida's talent gap and with Tennessee is not what I think people talk about it being honestly I think Graham Mertz might be the you know the worst starting quarterback in the SEC going into the season um and uh, honestly I start thinking about AJ Swan my guy from Cherokee so I mean I'm biased there but I think he's a he's a better quarterback than Graham and a Brady Cook if he's the starter at Missouri I, I think again he's gonna be a better quarterback and and honestly uh, Peyton, if Peyton Thorne starts or Robbie Ashford, I think they'll be better than Graham Mertz. And I don't think Alabama's got a top 10. I mean, I guess number 10, if it, whether it's Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, uh, I think again, probably 10th. And that's probably that that's for me, that's kind of where I'm, I, I'm wondering in this conference is to, to your point, uh, Jordan, is that I think that it, it's bunched. It's a bunch of guys that, going into the season could could turn out to be incredible, but on paper, a bunch of guys. And uh, they aren't guys that I would feel comfortable about as far as trying to win double-digit games in, in the season. You really would have to stack the roster around them. And to your point, especially with Florida, I don't think that roster is stacked the way it needs to be to, to lift up or quarterback play. And uh, again, if if they go six and six this year, I think that's probably pretty solid with with that level of quarterback play. I, I think that's kind of where they're at, unless he takes a step we haven't seen, or they make a change at quarterback and get better production than what he's capable of. You look at Alabama; it feels like all the chips are going to be on Tyler Buckner, who's coming over from Notre Dame, following Tommy Reese, and uh, it's going to be something to watch for sure. Uh, before we wrap this up, Georgia Men's Basketball Minute. Uh, the Bulldogs are over in Italy right now. They've played two games so far. Their first game, they won 86-45. to 45. And um, just based on what we've seen, just some of the stats that they have shared, um, some of the uh, – it's been fun to watch some of the Instagram lives some of these uh, players have posted. Seems like everybody's having a good time. I keep going back to what Mike White told us before he left, before the team went over to Italy. Um, that it's not so much about wins and losses. It's more of 
getting this team together, getting everybody to know each other. Because, again, this is a team that's only got four players back from last season. But I think the early returns have been positive from some of the people I've heard around the program. There's a lot of excitement. And I think uh, as much as we are focused on football, and rightfully so, uh, it's going to be fun, you know, that time of year where you're kind of balancing football and men's basketball. I think there's a lot of questions about this Georgia basketball team, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun one to follow. From a basketball standpoint, it sounds like they probably could have stayed and played at Ramsey, gotten some rep, reps in. But from a from a life experience standpoint, I'm sure that this is uh, second to none in terms of what they're getting in their college experience. So, De- definitely the food side of things. I, I think that uh, Jabri Abdur Rahim, we talked to right before. It, it sounded like he may not be able to go to Olive Garden after this uh, after this trip. Yeah, the strength and conditioning program is groaning right now, waiting for these guys to get back and. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like I, I, I'm looking forward to the going over there in the, in the future and probably have to spend the rest of the year undoing, uh, you know, what happens a couple of weeks in Italy. So yeah. Are they making strides or is this actually, you know, negative uh, development by the team in, in Italy, but Hey, recruiting, you know, this, this should help for recruiting. So I guess maybe you bring in some guys that haven't gone to Italy and you know, they're, they're, they're ready to come in and play immediately. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun trip. It's going to be fun talking to everybody after the fact just to see what their takeaways were. Uh, So we're going to wrap up this episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in, everyone who watched this live, everyone who is listening to this after the fact. Make sure if you haven't already, go to the Dogs 24-7 YouTube page and subscribe and go check out the website. We got a 50% off deal that's still going strong right now. And this is the time to get in because next week will be the start of fall camp. And we're going to be previewing that next week, get a chance to gear up for like we said at the top going to be the beginning of the end of the offseason for us but that's a good thing because we're excited for football to come back Uh, so we're going to wrap it up there for kip adams and benjamin wolk i am jordan hill and until next time take care everybody